Atlanta Church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, if you've been here long enough, you know that if I'm ever sitting on a stool, I'm getting ready to have a serious moment. So um, we're going to be hitting a very, very tough topic uh, this morning. Um, I don't, very few pastors I know uh, look at their speaking calendar and go, man, I can't wait to talk about that, divorce and remarriage. And uh, it's a tough, tough topic. I want you to know it's a tough topic to hear because uh, I would say every one of us in this room have been at some point in our lives touched very personally by the issue of divorce. And so when I talk about this topic, um, I, I know it's going to maybe open some wounds for some of you. Uh, for some of you, it may create some guilt or whatever. I, I have no idea what, what it's going to do in you today. For some of you, I just want you to know, uh, well, for all of you, it's, it's, it's a tough topic to teach. Um, I was telling our elders earlier this morning as they, they come in my, my, my room over there to pray over me. And I said, honestly, if, if I were writing Jesus' sermon, I would have wrote these verses a little differently. Uh, and uh, one of them said, you should share that. So I am. Uh, that's, I'm just being vulnerable with you. Because it's such a, uh, when, you, when you hear Jesus teach this, um, it, it just seems very, it's very straightforward, but it's, it's very hard. But one of the things that I know and I've learned is that is that when God puts something in his word, even if it seems very restrictive or whatever, he does it because he loves us. He does it because he's wise. He can see A to Z. Uh, we see A to B. Sometimes we can't even see to B. Uh, but he sees all you know, from beginning to end and, and he knows. And, he, and when he puts something in, in the word that seems like it's restrictive or he's wanting to you know, cause us to lose our joy or it's hardcore, it's because he loves us, he's wise, and he's pr- trying to protect us. So here's, here's what I would ask you. Don't leave, okay? I know that there are several of you in this room who uh, have been divorced, remarried. Some of you may be contemplating divorce. I just ask that you would hear everything I say this morning uh, because I'm gonna preach truth straightforward, but I always hope and I'm hoping today to land, in, land with grace, okay? So with that said, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, uh, thank you for the tough passages of Scripture. Um, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've called us to tackle them, not to avoid them. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've called uh, me this morning to preach through this. And uh, Lord, to preach truth, but also to preach with with grace in mind. And uh, I pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear this tough topic. Uh, I know that for some folks in here, uh, this is a very, very difficult topic to hear because of uh, it's so personal for, to so many, many of us. Um, it, it just opens up a lot of feelings and emotions as it did in the first service. And so as we, Lord, go into this talk, may you just cover us with, Lord, your love and your grace. Uh, may you help us to, to know, Lord, that, that when you put something in Scripture, uh, you do it out of, the Lord, love for us, out of just out of wisdom, because you, you have not only our lives in your hand, but you have uh, the big picture in mind when it comes to our lives. So may we receive this the way that you want us to, and may your Holy Spirit work in a powerful way in all of our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is teaching, um, and the, his first public sermon that we have record of, and uh, in the crowd, our our all kinds of folks. There's followers. There's people who are curious about what he has to say. There are, there are Pharisees who are the Old, te- Old Testament teachers of the law. 
um, the, uh, the scribes who were kind of the lawyers of the law, if you will. And Jesus begins to dive into a very difficult topic. And here's what he says. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, one of the most important things that that we need to understand when we're reading a passage of Scripture um, and, and especially a passage of scripture like this is, is context. Context is the situation within, so, with, within uh, something exists or happens that can help explain it. it, it is, it's the situation within which something exists or happens that can help us explain something. So when you hear Jesus use straightforward, no-holds-barred language around the issue of divorce and remarriage, it's almost like Jesus is coming across very hard-nosed, very cold-hearted, um, and, and you almost ask yourself the question, why is Jesus such a hardliner on something like this? I mean, you know, this is so countercultural to everything that we hear in, you know, out there today in society. Well, let me try to give you some context. The Pharisees who, again, were the, the, the teachers of Old Testament law, they had adopted a very loose view of the law. And, and in particular, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, which talks about a husband giving his wife a divorce certificate because she has done something indecent. Now, the Pharisees took the word indecent to mean that that could mean anything that bothered them. If, if a wife turned out to be a bad cook, she, would, she might get a divorce certificate. If, if, if she was moody, she would get a divorce certificate. Um, if the husband was no longer attracted to his wife, she might get a divorce certificate. So for centuries... That's what the teachers of the law, of the law taught Jewish people, and, and specifically men. However, the word indecent in the Hebrew does not mean something trivial, trivial like the, the, the Pharisees taught. It actually meant to be unfaithful or to be promiscuous. Now, imagine being a woman, a married woman back in this culture, and you are, you are totally dependent on a man for everything. You can't work to support yourself. Um, and, and so you're dependent on a man and everything was stacked in the man's favor. And to make things worse, you had this thing that just, you know, was just over your head like a dark cloud. I mean, if, if, you, if you burned a meal, your husband could divorce you. If you gained a little weight, even though Bubba gained all kinds of weight, he could divorce you. That certificate was your walking papers. That certificate gave you legal freedom from your previous marriage. However, because it was a male-dominated world, you were forced to find another man to marry you, just to support you, to take care of you, to provide for your needs, to provide for your children. That's the context around Jesus' words. So imagine how the Pharisees and the men in the crowd heard Jesus' words on that day. I mean, imagine listening to what Jesus is saying and going, okay, boys, the fun's now over. No more easy divorce. We actually have to be serious about our marriages. We actually have to dig in and make a marriage work. And I'm sure that when the men and the Pharisees heard Jesus teach this, there were probably some, some upset guys in the crowd. But imagine how the women must have felt. Finally, a teacher is standing up for us. Finally, a teacher is protecting us. Finally, someone is telling our men that they just can't leave us for whatever reason they want to. Finally, someone's raising the bar on the vows we took when we got married. So what exactly is Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus is, he's raising the bar. He's up in the ante on 
divorce and remarriage, both now just for the husband and for the wife. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why is Jesus raising the bar on these two issues? Well, the Bible teaches that marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman and God for a lifetime. When God created man and the woman in Garden of Eden, uh, in the Garden of Eden, He instituted instituted the very first marriage and He created a covenant. And He said in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty four, that a man was to leave his mother and his father, and he was to join together, become joined together to his wife, and the two would become one flesh. In other words, they would be stuck like glue. And in God's eyes, when, when he created his marriage, his idea was that it would be a permanent union that could only be dissolved by death. This may be the reason why Jesus goes right from talking about divorce. And if you look at the next passage of scripture, he talks about vows. He talks about the importance of keeping your words. And I'm going to read that um, just so that we can kind of tie it into this. In Matthew 5, verse 33, he says, And again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Well, Jesus is very simply saying that we should be people of our word. When we say yes to something, that yes should mean yes. It should mean something. When we say no to something, we should mean no. Our character should have so much credibility that the very simplest of words should be enough to guarantee our attention. So when we say I do... At our marriage altar, we mean I do for a lifetime. However, when you look through the Bible, you see divorce. Matter of fact, you'll see in the Bible that God says he hates it. And yet in other places, he actually permits it. I mean, how could that be? How could God permit something that he actually hates? Well, I want to give you a little bit of a biblical history on divorce. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, which is what I talked about a moment ago, Under the Old Testament law, again, a man could divorce his wife because she had been unfaithful and promiscuous. But that divorce only became final when she married another man. According to the law, if her second husband divorced her or if he died, she was then not allowed to go back and marry her first husband once again. The whole purpose of this teaching was to basically point out the evils of divorce and how it created such a mess and how it actually caused a woman to go into adultery or to be defiled. But as I said earlier, the teachers of the law for for centuries had this very lax view of this teaching and they practiced that that men could basically divorce their wives for anything they wanted to, for, for whatever reason they thought might mean the word indecent. Well, when you go into Malachi chapter 2, which is the last book of the Old Testament in verses 1 through 6, Malachi tells us that the Lord's not happy. Well, why not? Well, he tells the children of Israel, listen, here's what you're doing. You come to my altar and you bring me an offering, but guess what? I'm not accepting it. Why? Because Malachi says, the Lord is watching your marriages and he sees that you have broken faith with your wife who you made a covenant with, the one you became one flesh with. And as a result of that, I want you to know, I hate that. I hate divorce. 
Well, you get into Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 and 5, and Jesus is repeating the teaching that we've just read in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Pharisees come to him, and they're actually testing him. And they ask him, is it okay for any man to divorce his wife for any reason he wants? Now, now listen, they're still upset with what they've heard Jesus speak on with the Sermon on the Mount. And so they want to basically try to discredit him in front of all of his followers. But Jesus calls their bluff and he says, guys, listen, this is elementary stuff. I mean, he's kind of taking a shot at their pride. You, you should know this stuff. This is elementary stuff. Haven't you read Genesis? God wants one man and one woman for a lifetime. Well, then they come back and they say, well, if that's the case, well, then why would Moses write a law in, in Deuteronomy giving man permission to divorce his wife and to send her away? And Jesus says, well, the Bible says that he, God permitted this divorce because the Jewish people had hardened their hearts. And then Jesus explains what he means in verses eight and nine. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. From, in Genesis, it wasn't so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Jesus says divorce is permitted for only one reason, sexual immorality. If you divorce for any other reason, and remarry, you commit adultery. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to show you where the Apostle Paul actually adds abandonment to this list, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But Jesus is pretty straightforward. If you're married, stay together. If you're divorced, reconcile or stay single. Now, that teaching creates some problems for several people in this room today. Um, one of the problems is for some people, it's too late. For, for many of you this morning, it, this may be the first time you've ever heard what God says about divorce. And you're thinking, that's not why I got divorced. What you just talked about, listen, I, there was no sexual immorality. It just didn't work out. I was young, she was young, or however that looked. I mean, it just didn't work out. We were kind of selfish and whatever. And now I'm remarried. Well, hang with me till the very end because I've got some news for you. For others... Maybe you've lost faith. There are other people who, who have looked at this and they know exactly what Jesus says, what the Bible says about, about divorce and remarriage. And yet in their weakness, because of a lack of faith that, that God can actually fix a broken marriage, they've decided or they're deciding that they're going to test God's word and just divorce anyways. Well, I want to be honest with you about what the Bible says, what God says about divorce. The very first thing that we see is he says, I hate it. He hates it. Malachi 2.16, God says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, again, remember context. Men were divorcing their wives for any reason they wanted to. And so God said, to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. You're breaking a covenant with her. You're forcing her to remarry and commit adultery, not to mention that you're doing damage to your children. When God says he hates it, it's because he hates everything that it does to his people, to the people that are involved in it. He sees the fallout. He knows the damage. He hates it. It's also a sign of spiritual failure. Malachi 2.16 goes on to say, so guard your heart, do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now, faith is, man, so important to God. The apostle Paul tells us that without faith, faith, it's actually impossible to please God. And Malachi says, when we divorce each other, we actually break faith. We break faith between God and us. 
we tell God, I don't trust you to fix this mess that I'm in right now. You are incapable of fixing two of your children who have fallen out of your love. And God says, I hate that. I hate that you feel that way. It's, it's a breaking of faith between a husband and wife who put their faith in a promise that said better or for worse, for better or for worse. And God says, I hate that. It's a breaking of faith between parents and children. As a matter of fact, each year, over 1 million children face divorce. So statistics say that three out of five of those children are going to feel rejected by one of their parents. They're going to grow up believing that they were the cause. God hates divorce because it hurts children. But with all of that said, God says that even though I hate it because of all that it does, sometimes it's permissible. There are times when God looks at a situation and says, okay, I will permit divorce. Now, when is that permissible? It's permissible when a husband or a wife is sexually unfaithful and unrepentant. We mentioned this already, but but when when a man or a woman in a marriage relationship commits a sexual act outside of that marriage bond with another individual, then God permits divorce. Now, I want you to know this, that God never commands divorce. However, in this case, he does allow for it. I also want you to know that in that line I just gave you, that, that point, I put the word unrepentant. And the reason that this word is there is because we believe it as a church that in this case, before a divorce takes place because of adultery, because of the destruction that divorce causes, that there's some questions that need to be asked. And one of the questions is, is the person who has been unfaithful willing to truly repent? Are they, willing, are, they truly, are they willing to be truly repentant? And are they willing to seek reconciliation? Now, in the 19 and a half years um, that this church has been in existence, and I've been the pastor for all of those years, we've had situations in the church where a woman or a man, uh, unfortunately, will cheat on a husband or wife, and we will seek repentance from that guilty person. Or we've seen moments where repentance takes place and, and reconciliation takes place and God brings healing to a marriage. And we've shown some of those things on the screens as, as just video stories of what God can do when he is allowed to come into a broken mess and, and allowed to engage it. However, we've also had situations where a man or a woman will cheat on their spouse and, and they will say that they've repented or they'll say that they want you know, reconciliation and they will go right back into immorality. And we never tell someone to get divorced, but in cases we go, God, God permits this. This is permissible. Now, there's another permissible time when divorce is, is, is okay in God's eyes, and it's in some cases of abandonment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12 through 15, the apostle Paul is speaking, and here's what he says. Now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let him go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other for God has called you to live in peace. That just simply means this. If you're a believer and you married an unbeliever, stay in the marriage. Stay in the marriage, all right? God is, is at work. God is working, all right? But if for some reason that unbelieving spouse leaves you, then you are not held accountable in that situation of divorce, all right? 
Now, when Amy and I got married almost 25 years ago, we, we agreed that divorce would never be an option. Matter of fact, we said, listen, no matter how much we fight or, or how bad things may get, the word divorce will actually never come out of our mouth. And I, and I will tell you, in almost 25 years, I can say with all honesty, it's never happened. That word's never slipped out. Now, she may have thought some other things, but divorce has never been an option. Why is that? Well, because it's almost always destructive. It's almost always destructive. Now, I, I've told this story before in this church, but I think it's worth telling this morning. Before my dad became a, a Christ follower in 1996, my parents fought a lot. My mom had filed for divorce. They went to marriage counseling uh, and he ended up getting saved out of that. But my greatest fear as a child was, was, uh, was to grow up in a home where there was a divorce. I, I was watching my cousins go through it. I was seeing a lot of my friends go through that. And I just thought, Lord, I, I don't want that. Matter of fact, I remember a moment when I was about seven or eight years old and uh, my parents were having just an epic throwdown in the middle of the night. And I was up and I was crying and finally my mom had just had enough and she grabbed her keys and went out and got in her car and she was telling my dad, I'm leaving you, I've had enough of this. And I went out, about a seven or eight year old young man, and just laid behind the back tire of her car. And my dad is screaming at my mom, don't back up the car because he's laying back there. And fortunately my mom didn't uh, run over me. But I, I watched my cousins go through. As a matter of fact, my mom has, has, has three sisters, four brothers. My dad has two sisters and one brother. And altogether, seven of them have been through divorces. Uh, some more, more than others. Um, more than one. And, and, and I, I watched what it did to my cousins. Today, I've got uh, several of my cousins, many of them, who have gone through divorces themselves. As a matter of fact, I, I remember... Uh, many Friday and Saturday nights growing up in my home after you know, my dad trusted Christ um, because so many of my cousins were growing up in divorced homes. So many Friday, Saturday nights they'd be sleeping on my living room couch because they had issues uh, you know, dealing with what was going on at home and my house be- became kind of the solid house in the family. And I just found out recently that two of my great-great-grandparents went through divorce. It has been a, a destructive pattern in my family. This is a very personal message for me. Because I believe it's a generational stronghold that, that has ruined lives in my family. But I remember before my dad died, it was about a month or so before my dad died, we had no idea he was going to die. He died very tragically in, in June of 19, or, excuse me, 2004. My brother and I were sitting with him at a restaurant and I just asked him a question. I said, why did you hang in there with mom and not get divorced like everyone else? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I just decided, I mean, tears in his eyes. He said, I just decided that no other man was going to raise my kids. And he said, I knew that I had to break this generational sin. I had to break this stronghold that was in our family. So I hung in there with your mom and we fought it out and they did. And eventually they worked it out. Last week, as you know, I spoke on lust and adultery and I want you to, we had we were overwhelmed with the amount of people that came to us with just issues that dealing with just lust and adultery, pornography and people confessing a lot of sin. And I know that there are some marriages in here that have been rocked because of that news, because there was something that was uncovered last week or whether it was a, you know, an affair or pornography, whatever it may have been. Listen, if there's true repentance and a commitment on both sides to make it work, God's grace is strong enough to bring reconciliation to any situation and to any marriage. He is able to do that. I want you to know that he's able to do that. So let me switch gears for just a moment. What does God say about remarriage? This is a tough one. 
Well, he says in some cases, it's a clear option. Now, when is remarriage permissible? It is permissible when a biblical divorce has taken place. And I talked about sexual immorality. It's also permissible when an unbelieving spouse has abandoned the marriage. And I just talked about that a moment ago out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But it's also permissible when a spouse has died. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, the Apostle Paul says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. Now, the Apostle Paul's first piece for people, first of advice for people who have been through a divorce or who have lost a spouse is to stay single. Now, I don't know exactly why he says that. You know, he may just think, you know, you, singleness allows you to do a whole lot more ministry or maybe, you know, you've done the whole marriage thing and you're like, I don't want to go back into that. But what the Apostle Paul's saying, if you're single, all right, and, and your spouse has committed adultery or, or refused to repent or you were married to an unbeliever or they deserted you or spouses die, the Bible gives you permission to remarry. If you're divorced for any other reason, Paul says, Stay single or trust God and reconcile, which means to reconcile, to restore something. We believe that it means to restore the relationship with your husband or wife. Now, I know when we talk about something like this, I, I, I've answered some questions, but I also know that I've not answered all of them. Some of the questions that you may have, maybe the Bible doesn't address. However, most of it's really straightforward. And one of the things that God says about the issue of remarriage is, Remarriage is not an option, if, or, or I'm sorry, it isn't an option if there's been an adulterous, or you know, he says, excuse me, hold on, time out. All right, I want to make sure I get this right, all right? To remarry outside of God's will is always an adulterous act, okay? When Jesus is speaking here in Matthew 5, he's not mincing words. When, he says, when a person goes through an unscriptural divorce and then gets remarried, they commit adultery. Adultery always means sexual immorality, I was counseling with someone several years ago who, who was divorcing their spouse because they were just unhappy. Just, they weren't happy anymore. That was it. And uh, they told me they were, they were already planning on, on getting remarried. They had already figured out the whole thing. So, so I, I showed them Matthew 5. I showed them Matthew 19. I showed them Paul's words from 1 Corinthians concerning the issue. I told them they had no biblical grounds to divorce and that the Bible didn't even give them permission to remarry. And they said to me, after I showed them all of this scripture, they said, that's your interpretation. And so I asked them, I said, how would you interpret what I just read to you? And they said to me, different than you did. And I said, based on what? And they said, based on how I read this. And so I said, well, how do you read this? And they said, different than you read it. So I, I, I handed, I wasn't trying to be snarky, but I just handed them my Bible. And then I said, okay, read this to me the way you understand it. The meeting was over. There was just crickets in the room. Um, unfortunately, that person did get divorced. They got remarried and now they're divorced again. Some of you have gotten divorced outside of God's will or you have gotten, you, you've gotten remarried outside of God's will. Let me share some grace right now. Number three, it is not a continual state of adultery. Okay? I know there are many who, who would disagree with me and listen, I know uh, that for, for a lot of you who maybe have been divorced or remarried, there are a lot of churches where you walk in, you feel like you're, wear, you know, you're wearing the scarlet letter, the, the big D. 
When we remarry, even if we commit adultery by marrying someone else, God recognizes that second or third marriage as a marriage. The sin is not the marriage. The sin was getting married outside of God's plan. And a great example of that is David and Bathsheba. God recognized their marriage. He forgave them and he actually blessed it. However, when you look at the family troubles that happened in David's life after that whole remarriage incident took place, you realize that marriage is, remarriage is never easy. It's never easy. Even though God forgave David and, and blessed his marriage, they, they were, there were still natural consequences for his, his actions, for his sin. And I, I've had this question asked to me a few times in the past. Well, if God forgives divorce and, and he forgives remarriage, then, then can I just get divorced and remarried and then just ask God to forgive me? Let me give you a picture. That would be almost like saying, you know what? Can I cut off my right arm and ask God to help me to use my left, left arm for the rest of my life? You, you could ask God to do that and ask, and God is gracious and forgiving, but you're going to live with the natural consequences of great pain and great hurt. See, we get blindsided sometimes to think that there's no pain in our sin. There's no pain that's connected to sin. Even though God forgives sin, it has, there, there are consequences that sometimes last a lifetime. Sometimes all we want to do is, is escape our pain, but instead what we end up doing is choosing our pain. And you may feel better going, man, this is going to be a short-term basis. You know, it's going to be a short-term fix here. But when you divorce and remarry outside of God's will, it's just never easy. Even people that get remarried after a scriptural divorce, they still face, they still face tough times, especially when there's children involved. Now, I grew up, I grew up in a time in the, in the 70s when, you know, came home from school and you watched some favorite programs. And one of my favorite programs was The Brady Bunch. All right, how many remember that show? Okay, some of you. Some of you going, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I watched that thing every day. And it was, but it was a very unrealistic look at what happens when a woman brings her three very lovely girls into a home with four men who are living all alone. All right, if you know the song, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, God doesn't create a bunch of rules to control us or to make us miserable. He's like a great parent. He knows that sin causes pain. It causes suffering. And so he wants to guard us and protect us from, that, from this kind of pain. He doesn't want to see his kids go through pain. He doesn't want to see our kids go through pain, the pain of a divorce or even, you know, all of the challenges that go along with the remarriage. So some, God will put things in here. He, puts, he has put things in here. For, for just in his wisdom, for our good, to protect us. Well, what if you find yourself in this auditorium today and you go, you know what, okay, I've been unbiblically, unbiblically divorced and I unbiblically remarried. What, what, where does that leave, leave me? Well, here's what God says about forgiveness. Divorce and remarriage is not an unforgivable or a final failure. God offers forgiveness and restoration. You, you have not committed the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. God offers forgiveness. You're, you're not a failure. You've, you've, you've sinned and you've made a mistake. And you may be thinking, well, how in the world does this church feel about me? Because I've not felt not welcome in other places. You are welcomed, you are accepted, and you are loved at this church. I want you to know that. Okay? If you're remarried... 
If you're remarried and you, and you realize today that your marriage didn't fall under God's plan for remarriage, listen, God offers forgiveness as well. God blessed the marriage of David and Bathsheba because David realized that he had sinned and he actually sought God's forgiveness. If you're remarried, listen to me now, stay in that marriage. God wants to bless the marriage that you're, you're in. It would actually be a sin for you to divorce your current spouse and go back to your other marriage. And some of you are going, I don't wanna do that anyways, okay. If you're still connected to the first marriage by children, or maybe not, my, my advice would be, if possible, to just make that the best situation you can, to apologize for the failures that you put into that and just ask for forgiveness and make things right for the sake of your kids. Don't, you don't need to go back and get remarried, but make, make that situation right for the sake of your kids. And then I wanna say this to all of you. It's never too late to invite Jesus into your marriage. You may be in a marriage right now that, that in your mind has no hope. You're, you're not happy. There's no joy. It's like the light's gone out. It's dim in there. Don't give up. Good marriages don't come easy. It's tough work. There's pain. There's heartache sometimes. It's tough work. It always takes two people coming together, laying down their pride, laying down their selfishness and allowing God to work. But you have to invite Jesus into your marriage. You have to, that's the key there. In marriage, it really all comes down to, to, to this question. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your own intuition? Are you going to trust your own wisdom? Who's going to be the center of this thing? God can take any situation and turn it around and make it whole. And as I've said over this series, what you need, what we all need, I don't care what shape your marriage is in, good, bad, or ugly, we need a savior in our marriage. We need Jesus to be the very center of our marriage. Now, God wouldn't use these strong words on marriage and divorce and remarriage if he was not able to actually fix broken marriages. He wouldn't lay down these hard words if he was not able to fix them. And I believe he, when, he talk, when you talk about this, he made the, mar- the, the margin so narrow so that it would actually cause us to seek him, so that it would cause us to give our hearts to him. I, I, listen, I, I learned this a long time ago. Marriage is not about my happiness. Fortunately, for almost 25 years, there have been so many happy moments. It's not about meeting my needs, although so many of my needs have been met. It's one of God's main designs to actually make me holy. So many times he's used this. He's used my marriage to to just point things out in my life, point flaws out, prideful things in my life, things that are just broken inside of me, things I brought in, things I've chosen. He's used those things to draw my heart back to his. If your situation is messy this morning, give it to him. If your marriage or whatever you're going through is just messy, give it to him, put it in his hands. I I love the Lord's words in Isaiah chapter one. When you hear this, it's almost like God just inviting us on the front porch, big Southern porch and saying, here, sit down with me and have a glass of Georgia sweet tea. Let's talk for a moment. He says, listen, come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're as red as crimson, they'll be like wool. And for some of you today, if you're in a bad marriage or your marriage is struggling, the Lord says, listen, come, come on now. Let's talk about this. Bring that to me, put it down in front of me. There's some things you brought into this. There's some things you've chosen while you've been in it. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though red as crimson, crimson, they shall be like wool. In other words, I can, I can bring healing to this. I can fix this. I can make this new again. For those of you who 
have been unbiblically divorced or unbiblically remarried, you're like, what do I do with that? The Lord says, come on now, let us reason together. Sit down with me. Put that in front of me. There's forgiveness. Let's move forward through this. All right? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Let's make this right. Don't go back. Let's move forward. My hand's on you. Okay? Tough passage of scripture. Thanks for not leaving. Thanks for hanging in there. I hope when you see context, I hope when you see the reason why Jesus even spoke this to the crowd he was speaking to, um, and even why it's here for us today, just as true today as it was back then, that you can see that the Lord truly loves you. And he has a great plan for not just your life, but for your marriage and for where you are today. All right, let's pray together. If you just maybe need to come and pray at the steps, you're welcome to do that. We're gonna have some prayer counselors, prayer folks on both sides in just a moment who can pray with you. If you need to contact our counseling office this week, do that. You know, I will tell you, the thing that healed my parents' marriage was my dad coming to Jesus. He was lost. Uh, When that happened, my mom got things right with the Lord and it just turned things around. Today, the first step for your marriage, if you're lost here today, you're not a Christ follower, is that you come and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your savior. And if that's where you are today, I want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord, I am lost, spiritually lost, spiritually dead. Lord, I need you. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my marriage, but I need him in my life. I need him to fix the sinfulness, the brokenness inside of me, to make things right again between me and you. Lord, would you today heal me, forgive me, heal me. Lord, take death and make it life inside of me. And I put all of my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. Forgive me of my sinfulness, Lord Jesus, I need you. And so I receive you into my life right now to be my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, if you just prayed that with me, let us know you did that. Come up today and just let one of us know or you can take your card back to the help center. Last week, we did a tough message on lust and adultery. We had four people come to Christ last weekend. Lord, for every marriage in here that may be struggling, may they come to you today. For every person who may be struggling with guilt and shame over maybe a divorce or a remarriage, may they find not just grace with you, but may, may they find grace and acceptance here at this church. May they find love at this church. May they realize, Lord, that any sin, Lord, can be covered by the blood of Jesus, including the, the, the Lord, divorce, remarriage, however it took place. May we as a church be a church that extends grace to whoever walks through these doors. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.